we go. I know where we are in Acts, but it's interesting because this is one of those mornings that the Lord would not let me know. I mean, and what, what's even more interesting than that, because that's happened many times, where he said, I'll let you know when, when you get up there, or just open your mouth. But this morning he spoke to me and Alexis last night and said that he has something special this morning. So, so not only did he not tell me, but he doubled down and said, I have something special for Ignition tomorrow morning. But he said, you need to be aware. You need to be aware. You need to be perceptive, right? And what I was thinking about during worship, especially in that last song, is how perceptive are we with what's going on around us? Especially, let's think in terms of the Holy Spirit. Let's think in terms of His presence. Okay? I've talked to many of you. Many of you have, have called me or texted me or spoken to me and said, you know, how do I hear God's voice? How do I learn to hear His voice? And it doesn't begin with a shout. Right? It's like Elijah, he came in that still, still small voice. So it requires this perception. It requires this awareness of what's going on, of what's going on around you, of what's going on even to you, what's going on in him speaking. Because one thing I, I found out, after seeking it for so long, and, and I've gone through my testimony over the last four years, but, but after seeking his voice so hard, and then him beginning to open up his voice to me, what I realized later on is that he had been talking to me all along. I was not perceptive to his voice. I was not aware of his voice. And there's a reason for that. That's because his is not the only voice out there. Okay? We have to focus in on him. We have to focus in on who he is and what his promises proclaim in his word because there is an enemy that wants to distort that voice, wants to literally block that voice. And I think that's where many Christians are nowadays. It's certainly where I was when I said that Jesus does not speak to his people in the same ways today. I was allowing the other voices that I did not even recognize then either as causing interference for me to hear his voice. I wonder if that's where many of you are at today. If you knew you had an appointment today at 2 o'clock that you knew for a fact you were going over to Starbucks or where you were going, you were going to meet Jesus face to face and speak with him. And he would have something for you in addition to a really good cup of coffee. That you would hear his voice. You would, it would be clear to you what he wants to say to you. 
This is rhetorical, but how many of you would go? Actually, probably a better question is who wouldn't? Everybody would go. I would go. I, I would go early and hang out, make sure I got the good good seats, the cushion seats in the corner. Sit there, stake them out all day. Why? Because we're hungry for what we know we can receive from Him in the way that we know we can receive it. But man, that's not what He's talking about. See, He's saying, when you worship Me, you must worship Me in spirit and in truth. What is the truth? The truth is the truth of His promises. The truth of his promises, of his word. These promises that he'll speak. And he'll be clear. And he'll teach you how to be aware. He'll teach you how to be perceptive. He'll teach you how to even understand those roadblocks that come up and come around. See, you all have that two o'clock opportunity. But you don't have to wait till two. It could be all day, every day. See, when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you became part of a family where he speaks to that family. You didn't become part of a church that, well, now I get to go to church and I get to hear God's voice through the pastor. Now, I'm not diminishing that. That's important. And that's truth. And it happens. But it doesn't have to happen just through your pastor. It doesn't have to happen just through the worship team. It doesn't have to happen just through those friends that you have, that you know, hear from God. See, it can happen to you. In fact... I would venture to say it is happening to you. You may not recognize it. You may not be aware. You may not be perceptive to what he's doing. But it's much like a little kid that learns how to speak, learns how to hear, learns how to recognize. You know, during, during the first hour, Anissa was playing with, with Marley and Zeke was here and And Marley's running around, she's slapping Zeke around, and Zeke's like, seriously, dude, leave me alone, I will, I will retaliate, right? But you could just see Marley trying to speak, and, and, and you could almost hear that she was saying Zeke's name, I think Lindsay was kind of making the extra part up there a little bit, but, but she's close. How do we get close to speaking? We have to first be close to hearing, close to understanding, close to be aware, being aware of what's being said. So as, as Marley and Zeke start to disseminate in their mind these things that they hear, and they start placing meaning with those things, it teaches them then how to communicate. It's no different with God. It's no different with God. See, Marley and Zeke are not going to learn to talk because all of a sudden we start speaking to them. We're speaking to them all the time. 
right? Their, their, their mom and dad speak to them all the time. They pour into them all the time. All the people around them speak all the time. It's just their perception of what they're recognizing, of what they're understanding. See, it's the same with us. Jesus wants us to begin perceiving what he's doing, perceiving what he's saying, being aware that there is an enemy around us that wants to stop that. Why are we to be aware of that? It's because when we accepted Jesus Christ into our heart, we were given an authority that we truly don't fully understand. He wants us to learn how to understand that. He wants to learn us to learn how to wield that authority. You know, I'm, I'm reading a book, and, and Jennifer, I have to thank you for giving this book to Alexis, because then I stole it, took it. And I've been, I, I got it yesterday, and I, I read a third of it yesterday. I'm, I, I read up to the part where, where um, this lady accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, but this this book is an extraordinary book, and, I, and I'm not going to recommend this book unless the Lord tells you to read it, because it's a difficult book. This lady was one of the top, top five, if I get this right, she, she was within the top five people in satanic worship in America, and then among the top globally. And she had been basically dedicated from her very birth, from when she was in the, in the uh, hospital as a, as a baby born, and, and it went from there. And the reason why it's a difficult book is she does not hold things back. She sheds a light on the enemy that I've really never seen before, always kind of knew, but never saw. But then God, right? But then God. See, God got through to her. This girl who, who the, her whole life was told that Jesus Christ is dead. You know, that's the lie that Satan is perpetuating, that Jesus Christ is dead, that he died. On, it, Satan actually looks at the cross as a victory. Because he lies and says he's dead on the cross. But he's not. See, it's that very power of death that he could not be held by, the Bible says. It couldn't even hold him down. And he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit that we're to be aware of as it permeates this room. That very Holy Spirit that wants and is speaking to you and wants that communication. See, and, and don't, don't assume that, that when God talks to you, it, it, well, it'll never come to me because it, you know, it's always this big profound, you know, prophetic, blah, 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 blah. I got to tell you, most of what he talks to me about isn't that. Most of what he talks to me about is a conversation. You know, I'm building my 
it's a shed, but it's really kind of a shed on steroids, right? I'm building a shed. And I, I, I'm really convinced I'm doing it because I really am enjoying creating because every time I get to a new part, it's like, oh, well, no, let's change this and let's do this and whatever. So I'm talking to God while I'm doing this, right? Lord, it'd sure be nice if you help me out with this part so I don't have to do it this other way, right? And guess what? He helps. Right? We have this conversation. And I know to some of you that may seem, you know, that's a little out there or whatever. Or maybe that's, well, that's held back from pastors. Trust me, I, I haven't been a pastor that long. Right? He speaks to you about the things that you care about. He wants relationship with you, right? What is relationship? Relationship is communication. Relationship is back and forth. So why should we be surprised that he wants to talk to us? That he wants to share with us? I think he has amazing, extraordinary things that he wants to share with each one of you. And if you let him, he will. And see, the reason it's extraordinary is it's not just for you. It's for this whole body. Right? It's for this whole body. I hope Wendy doesn't mind me sharing this last or this morning when she was up praying and 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 just just in her time with God, you know, Lord shoulder shoulder this, showed her this scroll. I can't talk this morning. Showed her this scroll and kept flipping through this scroll and 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 the scroll was she said either Hebrew or Greek. Okay, she couldn't read it and she's like, slow down, Lord, I I can't, I can't read it. I can't read it. And then when she was here this morning, in the first hour, she felt the Lord tell, tell her, don't worry, I'm going to reveal it to you in English. See, God doesn't want to talk to us just to tease us. Here, I'll, I'll show you that I'm talking, but I'm not going to let you know what it means. That kind of defeats the whole purpose, doesn't it? But yet on our parts, we have to be aware We have to be ready. We have to be desiring to receive what he has. I want to encourage you this week. As you spend time with the Lord, just step out of your comfort zone a little bit. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm going to keep talking to you until until I become aware of you talking to me. And we always want to make sure that our heart is seeking him. We want to make sure that we're listening to the right things. Right? Turn to Acts. We're in Acts chapter 5. And remember last week we, we went through the whole Ananias and Sapphira thing where they sold their piece of land and and held back some of it and and paid the ultimate price for that. It wasn't because they held back some of the money. It was because they lied to the Holy Spirit. It wasn't even that they lied to the church. It was that, that they lied to the Holy Spirit or assumed that they could. And when that was that whole thing happened 
and it was purged through, then that last part we went through last week was verses 12 to 16, where all these miraculous, miraculous things, signs and wonders were happening. And I love the last verse where, where it says, all these people gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And that last phrase, and they were all healed. They were all healed. We can have an expectation of this. So this week we're, we're beginning at chapter or at uh, verse 17. And let's just begin reading. Before we do, Father, we worship you. Open up our ears. You said in, in Revelation, those that have ears, let them hear. Father, open up our ears that we might hear, that we might be aware, that we might be perceptive of what you have for us this morning. I trust you, God, and, and, and even already what you've, what you've brought out and what you've laid on my heart, God, I thank you for. But fill my mouth with your words, none of my own, because we want to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 17. But the high priest rose up. Now remember what's going on in Jerusalem at this time. All these signs and wonders are happening. Okay? The, the chief priests, the Pharisees, Sadducees, they're, they're not happy about this because, remember, they're religious, but they're more governmental than anything. Right? Their, their source of power is leaking out. Because their source of power is people following what they say. Right? And day by day, what did it say earlier in the, the previous chapter? It said, and, and those that listened, many were added to their numbers daily. So it's like daily, these Pharisees and Sadducees, these religious leaders, are seeing their power just leak away. Right? So that brings us to verse 17. But the high priest rose up. And all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them into public prison. But during the night, I love this, imagine they're, they're arrested, right? They're brought into prison, put into these prison cells. We'll just deal with you tomorrow, okay? And the, the Pharisees and Sadducees go back to their homes, have dinner, have a nice evening. Ha, we got them locked up and we'll deal with them tomorrow. We dealt with their Messiah. We're going to deal with them too, right? But God. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. And said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. I don't know if it catches you. This catches me here because you would think, well, the, the practical thing would be for this angel, which that's extraordinary in the first part. Okay, can you imagine that the, the, the apostles are sitting there, they're in this jail cell, they're probably, you know, Excited that they are are being treated this way for the name for the for the Lord's sake and for His name and and just sitting around maybe talking maybe worshiping you know maybe they're talking with the jail cell next to them 
you know, just talking about Jesus. All of a sudden, this angel just shows up, takes the lock off, opens the door, says, come on. <laughs> Only God, right? Can you imagine what they're thinking? They're thinking, because remember, this happened to Peter, Peter already once before. It happened with Peter. And, and for, although it was just him, and he came back, and basically what happened was they, he went back to his house where they were all praying for him. He goes in there. They, they don't even believe it's him. They believe maybe it's the spirit of him or something. Finally, he lets them in, and then it, it's all kind of this hush-hush thing. Not this time. Not this time. The angel lets them out and says, go back. Go back where you were arrested, and you're going to speak to them again tomorrow. You're going to be bold. Don't worry about yourselves. You're here to do the Lord's work. Go back and preach. That's what he says. Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Notice the word L, or the, the word life there is capitalized. It's talking about who Jesus Christ is, talking about Jesus Christ. Verse 21, And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak, got some sleep. Who knows when, when the angel brought him out? Who knows? Maybe he woke him up in the morning. I don't know. But they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came in and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. <laughs> okay, clearly, the, the chief priest, the high priest, did not go in and listen to what was going on. Yeah, you know, he probably just went in, went to his little office, whatever, going to have some breakfast, you know, going to see what's going on for the day. And didn't even pay attention to what was going on in the temple. Right? So he tells his people, go and get those who we put into prison yesterday. Go and get them. Verse 22. But when the officers came, they didn't find them in prison. So they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what would this come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the, pimp, the people. Can you imagine what they thought? I mean... They just went through this for three years with Jesus. They thought they were over all this. Where Jesus just could slip away. They thought they finally got him. And now they're dealing with this again. This Jesus will not go away. What's going on? He said they're in there preaching again. You told them not to, they're in there preaching. We don't even know how they got out of the jail cell. And when they had brought them, they sent them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Now, I want to stop here for a second because I find it really interesting. I'm sorry, that wouldn't have been my first question. My first question would have been, How in the heck did you get out of that jail cell? 
I, I just got to know, how did you do it? Right? That would have been my first question. I find it interesting that isn't their first question. Because I think they knew. I think they knew. We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. Remember what Peter had said several times before. Right? He said, he said, I am preaching the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, the guy you hung on the cross. The guy you killed. He took every opportunity he could to remind them what they had done. That they had taken his life. But then he goes on, obviously, to say that he was raised from the dead. But Peter, verse 29, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. Now, by the way, that was an answer to prophecy, just so you know. And, and hanging on a tree in Rome was the worst way to die. And, and not worst in, in ways of, of pain, although it was probably that as well. But worst in ways of shame. See, if, you, if the Romans wanted to shame somebody, they hung him on a cross. And if you look back on, on Jesus' death and crucifixion, especially his trial, they were the ones that yelled, crucify him. That wasn't Pilate. Pilate, he washed his hands of it. He gave them what they wanted. But they're the ones that brought up the crucifixion. Why? First and foremost, it's because it was prophetic. They had no choice. But secondly, it's because they didn't want him to just die. They were afraid of this. They were afraid of what's going on right now. They were afraid of what these apostles were doing after he, after he died. They were afraid that his name would go on, his name would linger on, and they had to just kill it. That's why he was hung on a cross Hung in shame. Verse 31. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are all witnesses to these things. I love this next part. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. See, Peter points something out to them right then. Something that we need to become aware of and we need to understand. He said, we're all witnesses to everything that happened with Jesus Christ. We're witnesses to his, his resurrection. We're witnesses to those 40 days he walked on this earth after dying and being in the grave for three days. We're witnesses to that. But not just us. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a witness. Why do you think he said that to them? Because they will never convince him of anything. But the Holy Spirit can. If you're ever in a situation where you're trying to share with somebody the gospel, and, and this happens all the time. I think Alex and I had this conversation the other day, or I did with somebody. 
where you, you want them so badly to know what you're talking about when you're talking about Jesus Christ. You want them to come to a saving knowledge of Him. You want them to come to a place of not just repentance, but growing a relationship with Him. Do you know there's only so much you can do? Right? If you're just saying words, then that's all it is. It's words. But when that becomes permeated with the power of the Holy Spirit, it becomes God working on both ends. God working in your words coming out. God working in their heart receiving those words. So what Peter is saying here is, is the Holy Spirit was witness to all of this. And it shouldn't surprise us that what is the Holy Spirit's main job? To speak of Jesus Christ. To give Him glory. Why? Because He witnessed it all. He witnessed everything. And that's what He's telling them there. These these legalistic, religious people. Boy, it kind of mirrors a fight that we have today in the church. Why do you think Satan wants the Holy Spirit out of the church? First of all, he can't do anything about the name of Jesus. He was crushed. He knows it. Satan's head was crushed. He can't do a thing about it. But what he tries to go against is the power of Christ, who is the Holy Spirit. The power of Christ that moves throughout his people in churches. See, I know a few here, and I, Lex and I, you know, we have this history of being in churches where the Holy Spirit was limited. And limited in such a dangerous way. Why? Because the Holy Spirit witnessed everything. The Holy Spirit can share with you everything that Jesus Christ did. Everything that His name means. Everything that He wants for your life. And that's what Peter's telling him right here. So then, verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, who, by the way, Paul said he was his mentor. Okay, Gamaliel was this astute teacher of the law, and his student, his pupil, whatever you want to call it, was at that time Saul, who became Paul. Gamaliel a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. In other words, be careful. Did he know something? No. He just was smart enough and aware enough and perceptive enough to say be careful. For before these days, Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census, 
and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. Even worse, you might be found even opposing God. Wow. This is coming from a Pharisee of Pharisees. This is coming from a person who who was myopic in his following of God, just looking for it in the law and not looking for it in relationship. This is the epitome of a religious spirit. And, And I truly believe Gamaliel wanted what was right. He was so stuck in his religious spirit But there was a little bit of an awareness because of his heart that said, be careful, be careful. Because the name of God, we are to be in awe of. We are to be careful of. We are to hold in the highest esteem. He said, be careful. Because if this isn't of God, don't worry about it. You're not going to lose anything. It'll just fade out. It'll die out because God's the supreme one. But if this is of him, you might be finding yourself getting in the way of God. I I just thought that was so profound that they... This is this transition from the law into grace. They were so stuck in the law that they would literally and did kill what they thought would produce that grace. So Gamaliel says, leave them alone. So they took his his advice, and verse 40, And when they had called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, the apostles did, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. I can't wait to meet these guys. I can't wait to meet Peter. I can't wait to meet these. I can't wait to meet Paul. I think Paul will will be a trip. But imagine this. Okay, these miracles are are happening all over the place. You're you're teaching in the temple. You're 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 telling people the truth of what happened. You get arrested. You're there overnight. You're you know, by this time, God whatever you want. You know, so you're sitting in the jail cell and you're, you're just, you're with God. At least Peter wasn't by himself this time, right? Then all of a sudden this angel comes, takes you out and, and you know, takes and says in the morning, go back in the temple and preach again. I never told him you could stop. So then you go into the temple, you're as bold as ever. Why? Because God has proven himself to you over and over and over again. 
See, it's no different in our lives. As you open yourself up to the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, speaking to you, teaching you things, He will prove Himself to you over and over and over again. But it's a very rare thing. He will not prove Himself to you first. I'm not saying that never happens. It happened to Paul, which we're going to get to. But I'm saying that's extremely rare. See, he proves himself as we open our heart to him. When we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, we have the beginning, and we've talked about this, we have the beginning of this relationship that we can then build with him. But see, we, it, it's like we don't want to take a step until he proves something to us. Well, Lord, I don't want to take this step here because, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if you'll be there. I mean, I know you'll be there, but maybe I'm hearing you wrong, and maybe I'm not supposed to step. And, and, and then this fear encompasses us. It literally drowns us out. Well, well God, I'm just going to wait till you're really clear to me. I'm just going to wait till you're really, really clear. Because I do not want to overstep what you want. And I can just imagine what Jesus is thinking. He's thinking, don't you think I've already calculated that into it? If, if you overstep and, and take a bigger step than I told you to do, don't you think I know your heart? Don't you think I, I, I know you're going to do that and I've prepared for that? See, when we seek him and we want to hear his voice, he needs obedience for us to be able to hear. He needs obedience for that conversation to be back and forth. And obedience in the fact that when he tells us something, do it. Do it. Don't, don't worry about how it's going to feel. Don't worry about how stupid you're going to look. I remember the first time I began to understand his voice. I can't remember who I was talking to. I talked to somebody yesterday about this. But first time that, that I, I understood his voice, I was, pulling, I was getting gas in a gas station and he told me to give this track to this lady behind me. And I've probably told this story, but, but I, I'm like, okay, uh, I don't know if that's you, maybe that's you, maybe that's just me thinking I should do that, you know, because I'm a pastor now, and that's what pastors do, and, you know, you start going in circles in your brain, okay? And you literally begin talking yourself out of the very thing you felt God told you to do. If you look back on it, that's exactly what's happening, so, I, so I'm wrestling with this in my mind, and, and, and see, his voice wasn't clear to me at that point. This was, I don't know, three years ago or whatever it was. And, and so, so I'm like, I'm having this turmoil in my brain, and, and then I'm mad at myself because I'm thinking, I'm fighting over a stupid track. You know, and, 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 and then I'm thinking... You know, seriously, why am I even worried about this? I, why did God even need to tell me to do it? I should have done it anyways. And, you know, all this stuff's going in my mind. And finally, you know, I'm done putting the gas in. I put it away and I think, no, this isn't God. And I go and I sit in my car. 
I start the start the car up, put it into gear, get ready to pull out, start to pull up, and, and I see this word. Just I, I'd had visions before. At that time, I didn't know what they were. God showed me later, but so so this vision of this word, and all it said was believe. And it was like in these neon lights going blink, 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 blink. It's like God said, seriously, dude. All right, just do it. Just do it. So I hit the brakes, put it into park, get out of my car. And I, okay, fine. And literally, I'm thinking, what's the worst that can happen to me? Nothing. I give her a track. She doesn't know me. She doesn't know me. I, I give her a tract, and I'm gone, and, and off doing whatever I was doing. So that's, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I go up, and I, 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 by this time, she had gotten back in her car, and she had two kids in the back seat, and her windows were rolled up. I go over there, and I knock on the window. And, you know, it's one of those where, okay, I'll give you three inches. <laughs> Roll down the window three inches. And, and I, just, I just, you know, I mean, that was really... It's like, I don't want to be this creep or whatever, but maybe that's what I was afraid of. But I said, this is going to sound really strange. <laughs> yes. Welcome to my life. This is going to sound really strange. The Holy Spirit told me to give you this. Here you go. She takes it. I didn't even wait to hear what she had to say. I bolted back to my car and got in my car and I literally said, There. Okay. <laughs> and it wasn't so bad. Then next thing you know, and I, you'd think I'd drive away. I, I didn't drive away. I was sitting there. And she pulls up next to me. She honks her horn and says, roll down your window. I roll down my window. And she said, she said, just this morning, I was telling my kids, because my kids had asked me, they'd go to public school. And her kids were, I'm going to guess, fifth, sixth grade, whatever it was little older than Yvonne. And they said, she asked me this morning, how can we be a testimony in school? How can we let people know about Jesus Christ? She said, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what to tell them. She said, I didn't have an answer for them this morning. I said, we'll figure that out. And she said, and then when you did that, when you handed us the track, she said, I knew right there that that was God showing me how. And she said, I turned to my kids and I said, that's how right there. <laughs> and so, thank you. I roll up my window, I'm driving off. And, and, and that was the first understanding that I had heard from the Lord. See, and when you recognize a time like that, you begin to crave it. You begin to seek it. You want to hear his voice. Lord, next time, let me get it without the neon sign. <laughs> Although that was cool. That really helped. I'm a very visual person, so, so that helped. Right? But I want to hear your voice. I'll be obedient, even if it's for my own stupidity. Even if it's that I'm going to look stupid or going to feel stupid. I can't tell you how many times I've looked and feel, felt stupid. But you know what? When you're obedient, it really doesn't feel that way. 
You may think it does before you do it. But then when you do it and, and his voice becomes more clear, you know what happens is you care less about that. You care less about what people think. Why? Because I know the truth. I got my words from the source. So if you think I look stupid or, or you're angry with me or in, in, in the case with them, if, if you are literally opposing what I'm doing, it doesn't matter. Because, see, I have to do what God says. Now, the beauty of that is that it always lines up with Scripture. That doesn't mean, young people, you go home and say, God told me I don't need to do my homework. <laughs> right? God placed you under authority. All right? And he will always agree with himself. He will always agree with Scripture. See, they knew that they had to go. The, what the angel was telling them to do was truth. Why? Because it was already in their hearts to do. It was their calling to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, do you know that is no different for you? It's your calling. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as Savior, and you're beginning to build this relationship with Him, there are none left out. You are all called to be a testimony. You are all called to step out of your comfort zone where it feels a little uneasy. I don't like being in this position. This is new to me. You know, when Corey and Beth, I hope they don't mind me telling this story. I don't think they will. Um, <laughs> if, if, they, if they do care, well, it doesn't matter. It's online now anyways, but... Um, no, before, before uh, creation, we were going to have this, we were going to be part of this prayer team at creation. And before creation, you know, I talked to them about being a part of the, the prayer team. And, and that isn't just, and they knew this, they knew that wouldn't be just about getting in a couple groups, two and three, and we're just praying for creation. They knew that's not what it was going to be. They knew it was going to be stepping out and praying for people that needed prayer, perhaps walking up to the people when the Lord says, go pray for them, and they didn't even ask for prayer. You know, doing things, stepping out of their comfort zone, and that's what they said. They said, they said we're going to do this, but boy, this is out of our comfort zone. This is not what we're used to, right? But ask them after service this morning how creation was for them. Ask them the experiences they had by stepping out of their comfort zone in obedience and then what God did in their lives. <laughs> Ask them, and you can probably see it, what God's done in their lives since. Do you understand? Obedience perpetuates obedience. You do not all of the sudden have an obedient life to Jesus Christ. It happens when you say yes for the first time. When you say, I'll step. I don't even know what I'm stepping on. It all looks, it's all foggy to me. I don't even know if there's firm ground there, Lord, but I'm going to step. I'm going to trust you because you told me to. 
And literally, I, Jesus has given me this picture because there, there's, I'm going to Nigeria in a couple of weeks. And this is the, uh, uh, the first trip that I will be by myself, um, which was interesting because there were other people that were going to go with me, but Jesus said specifically, I am to go by myself. Don't know why yet. We'll see. But as I step into that unknown, Jesus has given me a vision of his hands holding my feet. And if you can, if you can picture, in my vision, it was just like, like this. And he never let go because it wasn't necessarily solid ground. But it was solid because it was his hands. Do you see? See, Jesus has a step that he wants you to take. And you don't know if there's going to be solid ground there or not. But it doesn't have to be solid ground. Just like in my vision, Jesus' hands are the solid ground. He just wants us to step. He just wants us to be obedient. And in that obedience, it perpetuates more obedience and more steps and more provision and more perception and more awareness. It begins to perpetuate all those things. Being aware of what he's doing. See, he's prophesied many things over this church. Many things over many of us that he wants to do. And for the longest time, I just kept thinking, well, do it, God. Do it, I'm waiting. <laughs> See, it's not about the waiting. It is about the doing. He said, wait a second, you've got to take this step of obedience first. You can't just wait there until I do something just to show that I am God. I need you to be obedient in the little steps before you can even understand the big steps. See, because when his power comes on this church, it will not be in the form of little steps. And I believe we're right there because we've been obedient in the little steps. We've been obedient in seeking him and just saying yes. That obedience perpetuates obedience. Because, man, you see the outcome. You see the outcome. I saw the outcome of that lady I gave the track to. Did I ever see her again? No. Did I get to see how that affected their lives and the kids' lives? No. I got to see what it did in me. I got to see that my God just spoke to me. And I wasn't sure it was him, but I listened and I was obedient and I did it. And he proved it out. That was the catalyst for his voice becoming more and more clear to me. Now, I'm not saying do something whether you think it's God or not. Okay, remember what I said earlier. His voice will always 
line up with his word always. So see, when I was told to give her a track, you know, you could go to the word and say, okay, clearly that's something that would be in his word. To share the gospel. To share the word of the Lord, right? So I didn't have a problem with that, that that could be God. It was when I made the choice that I'm going to believe you regardless, because if it's not you, that's okay, it's still according to your word. That's when he began, be, began to be clear to me. And there were many steps between then and now. There were many steps before I got to the point where, where I can have conversations and his voice be so clear. But it also doesn't mean that his voice is clear all the time. Because he wants us to be perpetually growing and drawing closer to him. There's still choices that I have to make, still decisions that I have to make where I use the same Situation. Well, is this according to your word? Okay, I think this is you. I'm going to do it because it's according to your word. I'm going to trust you. And he does it. He opens that communication to us. Where are you at in your own life? Are you giving him that opportunity? To speak to you even in that still small voice? Are you giving him that opportunity by saying, Yes, I will trust you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and praise you and thank you, God, for who you are. I thank you, God, that you reveal in us your character that you will never let us fall. As we step out of our comfort zone and follow you, God, we just know that you have your hands wrapped around our feet. No matter what we walk into, no matter what we step into, even if we know ahead of time that we, what we are stepping into is something difficult, or even something that we would normally be afraid of, we know you have our feet. We know that your hands wrapped around our feet is the firmest foundation there could be. So God, I pray for each person in here. As they open their hearts to you, and are hungry for you, and seeking you, God, just give them the boldness to step. And just say, I trust you, Lord. Prove it out. Just show me. Be clear your voice. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, we've talked about how the Lord speaks and we've talked about how this this begins with relationship. But that relationship begins with accepting Jesus Christ into your heart, with him being your Savior. And I just want to give opportunity here 
If there is anyone, nobody looking around, I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but if there is anyone that has not accepted Jesus Christ into their heart as Savior, you can do it so easily right now. I would ask if you don't remember a time that you've done that, would you be willing to raise your hand and I'll pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. Is there anyone like that? Father, search hearts. Search hearts. Recognize the hunger in this room. Recognize the hunger in your people. And fill them in Jesus' name. great story. I love the X5. Um, one thing that hit me that the <coughs> would have been the outcome of the disciples not being obedient is that all those people would not have heard about Jesus. And um, in our ladies class in the basement, we are having, um, we're going over the, the study fervent um, and we're talking about the strategies that the enemy uses to come against uh, Christian people and one of the things that I noticed is the lies and the um, the intricate deceptions and little ways that the enemy kind of slithers in his philosophies in over the body of Christ. And a strategy used against churches is, that pertains to what Greg preached about, is that nobody really is going to notice if I do this. Or if I, you know, if I'm not faithful to this, you know, it's not like my... my Place is really important or significant, so it's nobody's going to notice. And it's interesting how, if you believe things like that, you won't you won't know that. I mean, in the spirit realm, there's no such thing as private. Whatever you do, even in secret, is begins to be revealed in people's lives, and it does affect other people. Your place in the body of Christ is very significant. It's not as as obvious perhaps as Sunday school teacher, music leader, pastor, you know, usher. It's not that obvious, but your place, what you in the spirit realm, what you bring in the body of Christ to others is always noticed, is always missed, and is significant. So when you walk in any kind of disobedience or when you say, well, what, you know, this doesn't really matter, it doesn't really matter if I do that, or any lack of obedience does affect people around you. And that's one of the biggest lies of the enemy is when he can get us to think that, well, you know, I've, nobody sees that I do this. It's no big deal. Well, n- nobody may ever observe you eating, but that's not going to affect your weight. It shows up. So we have to be careful that we don't buy into the fact that levels of obedience aren't noticed just because human eyes can't see them. And it does affect other people. When I think of what the disciples went through, when they continued to, I mean, they were stretched beyond their comfort zone, but what they did to affect people's lives in introducing them to Christ, those children in the car, to Greg's story, you know, to learn that lesson, God used a complete stranger in one small act of obedience to speak into an answer for a young child to be a testimony in their sphere. So we're all interconnected. And it's so important that you not believe these isolationist lies 
which says that, well, I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not that important so nobody notices. Because I've done that. We've done that. You know, I'm not doing right now what I was doing in my previous ministry. So it's really easy to think that, well, that doesn't matter. Or that, you know, it doesn't matter. And the Lord has made it very clear to me, study just as hard. Prepare just as much for your lesson for 15 ladies as you may, you know, for 65 ladies. It's not about that. It's about doing all to the glory of God and being obedient because he's the one that brings the fruit in your life and we can't measure it in the human realm. So, um, so I just want to encourage you that uh, in the smallest ways, you'll begin to see fruit and blessing and that next step of hearing what God will reveal and unfold in your life when you just start taking those little teeny tiny steps. Because guess what? Just like an employee at a job, the more, if I'm a boss at a, at a job, the more I can trust a person with knowing that they're going to do their job in every way, the right way, no matter who's looking, I'm going to trust them with more and with more and with more responsibility, benefit, influence, promotion, because I can trust them in the little things. And that's what God is looking for. <coughs> we are in a society where Satan tells us just the opposite. Well, they don't even, they don't even notice how good you are. You, know, they should, you, you deserve more than that. And all these philosophies, remember, discern, ask God, say, is some of this philosophy coming from you? Because the world's philosophy, the prince of the power of this air, has a whole different mindset. One of them, a huge one, is a victim mindset. You know, there's so many things that permeate the way everybody thinks. It's in media, it's in every movie, story plot, it's in every news article, every magazine. And you start to buy into these, these paradigms that are not of God. But that obedience level, and that, by the way, is what hinders the voice of God. Because when we start buying into this, we come from a place of, oh, well, okay, well, that's really the way it is. And all of a sudden, it blocks what God's trying to tell you. But he wants to trust us. And you watch. You start taking those little tiny steps. Err on the side of obedience. Especially when it doesn't cost you much or might cost you a few moments of looking stupid that you think. And it wasn't even. They were so delighted. But we often think we're going to look more stupid than we do. Err on the side of obedience. And then watch what God will reveal next. He'll reveal the next thing, and then he'll reveal the next thing. And it'll be like, whoa, how did all this communication start up and, and, and become ignited in my life? Because I can trust you. I can trust you that when I speak, right. you're recognizing it's me. So now I can give you the next step. Because if I landed it all on you now, you might go off into crazy town. Because you, you can't even discern yet what's me and what's not me. And oftentimes that happens at workplaces. Somebody gets way, way, way too much responsibility. They don't have a clue what they're doing. And they ruin either that position or in some cases even the company. So take the baby bite-sized steps. Because honestly, more than that is more than we could bear anyway. And watch what God will do. It is so exciting. It's so exciting. So um, what a great story. I love Acts. Um, there's, there's so many more great things to come I mean, when you begin to hear about the conversion of Saul to Paul and it's just going to be very exciting um, I hope you've 